Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome back to 31 Days of Horror. Day 22. With me today is another guest. It's my good friend David Carson. Welcome to the show, David. Oh, hello there, Dominic. Nice to talk to you again. (laughs) David's one of my gaming buddies. Uh, but you also have a little bit of background in the science fiction area. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, well, I do. I've been a science fiction and fantasy fan for uh, all my life. Uh, and uh, fortunately, back in the early 1980s, I got with some of my friends and we created a, a radio program for a local radio station at, uh, based out of the uh, college here in town. And we did several episodes of that just for fun, basically. Uh but the guy who uh, ran the radio station thought it sounded pretty good, so he sent it off to some friends of his in Austin, and they said, sure, we'll, we'll uh, syndicate this show if they want to change the format to a five-minute, five-day-a-week format, and so we did. Uh, our show went on the air for about two and a half years, had an audience of about a quarter of a million folks across the country, which sounds like a lot, but if you have markets in Los Angeles and New York City, you covered a lot of that already. But that was a lot of fun. We got to meet a lot of our uh, our uh, favorite authors, artists, filmmakers, and whatnot over the years. And uh, that was uh, my claim to fame in science fiction. Did you find the five-minute format frustrating at all? Uh, yes. Because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who did all the editing on the show, something I'm sure you're familiar with. Yep. So we went from a show that was basically whatever length we wanted, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to, uh, it was a very tight format, but we basically, what we did was we made a 25 minute show. They got chopped up into five parts. Okay. So we had intro. You didn't have to try to scale. You didn't have to try to scale the interviews down to five minutes. You just. Oh yeah. They had to be exactly five minutes. But I'm saying you, you, right. But then you would just extend it over several episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you didn't spend only five minutes with this author. You would chop oh, no, it we, we spread, would, spread it out. You got it. Sometimes we spend probably most likely all week with one subject, and then sometimes even longer, depending on who, who it was and how long we talked with them. Okay. Yeah, they still have on the public radio little short things like that, like Nature Notes and Star Notes or whatever that show's called. Yeah. Well, Stardate is, uh, was syndicated by the same company that they did us as well. I see. Well, today, though, you're here to talk about uh, some horror, sort of. Yeah, sort of is a good way to put it. Our movie today is Brotherhood of the Wolf. It is a French period piece from 2001 in color, directed by Christophe Gans, written by Christophe Gans and Stephanie or Stefan Cable. I'm not sure. It's French. I don't know if that's a. We're going to mispronounce a lot of French names here. We're going to mispronounce a lot of names, I'm sure. Yeah. It stars Samuel Lebian as Knight Gregory de France, de Franzac, Vincent Cassel as Jean-Francois de Morganese, Emile Dequin as Marie, Marianne de Morganese, 
Monica Bellucci as Sylvia, Jeremy Rainier as Marquis Thomas Dapshire, Jacques Perrin as older Thomas Dapshire and the narrator, Mark DeCascos as Mani. Mark DeCascos is maybe best known these days as the chairman on Iron Chef. Wow, I did not know that. Yes, he is playing the Iroquois um, Mohican Native American character, and he himself is not any of those things. <laughs> He's a bunch of other stuff. Uh, if you mix a bunch of things together, then you kind of come out looking like you can play anything you want. <laughs> well, good for him. He was born in Hawaii, and he is of Japanese, Philippine, Chinese, and Spanish ancestry. None of those are exactly Native American, but I think he was hired for his martial arts skill and for looking vaguely Native American. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty close. Pretty much it. Yeah, Jean Yanni as Count de Morganais, Jean-Francois Stevine as Father Henri Sardis, Edith Scobe as Countess Genevieve de Morganais, Johann Leysen as Antoine de Botrin. Keep going, you're doing good. And uh, Bernard Farsi as Interdent Pierre Jean Lafont, Hans Meyer as Marquis Dapscher, Philip Nohan as Jean Castel, Gaspard Hulet as Louis. Nicholas Vaud as Maxime de Fortes, Virgine Darmon as La Bavarde, Eric Pratt. <laughs> How'd that name get in there? Eric Pratt as Captain Domel, Jean Loup Wolf, are you kidding me? As Duke Gautrand de Moncan. I think that guy was just cast because his name is Jean Loup Wolf. <laughs> D. Bradley Baker uh, as Beast be. Vocal Effects. Uh, I believe I believe Loop is French for yeah. Wolf. So there you go. It is. It is. That's my uh, high school French. David, you particularly wanted to talk about this. You chose this movie. So what was it particularly that spoke to you? I, I did. Uh, this was released, a sort of a limited release in the United States. Uh, a French movie with subtitles mm -hmm. showing in a theater in the United States. Not happened in a lot. But the uh, somehow or other, I caught wind of it, uh, and I went and saw it uh, here, and uh, uh, was just fascinated by it. It was uh, it's it's a little bit of a hodgepodge of every film genre you can think of, kind of dumped together, mixed up, and then thrown against the wall to see what happened. Because I mean, it, it starts out uh, with some people meeting up, and the next thing you know, there's martial arts going on and all sorts of you know slow motion rain effects. It's just a it was an interesting movie, and the the beast itself is quite a, quite interesting. It's actually based on a it's actually based on a true story. I mean, you wouldn't expect after watching this movie that you're going to see based on a true story, but it is. Uh, the beast of Javudan uh, happened in Javudan, France, and killed between uh, maybe sixty women and children during the uh, 1764. Uh, it, it so this is based on a true story. I would say loosely Did based on a true figure story. Out what it was that was doing it. Oddly, there's not a lot I could find. I did some more research just recently because we're going to uh, do this review of the show, and I couldn't find a lot about it. They think it was some sort of 
very large wolf. It was uh, killed, at least they're fairly certain, but it was a very big animal. Okay. Now, wolves normally don't attack people, healthy wolves. A rabid wolf will attack anybody, but as they point out in the movie itself, that's not going to go on for years. It's going to die in a couple of weeks. A wounded wolf will, of course, strike out. Uh, but nor- but they don't hunt humans. And a lot of these werewolf movies, they first assume it's a normal wolf, and they should immediately assume it's not a normal wolf it's a, if it's attacking people. Yeah, they don't, like, uh, yeah, they don't normally the, do that. Wikipedia thinks says somebody at the time, was it at the time? No, in 2021. Argued that it was some Italian wolf, but again, I don't know that Italian wolves are different than any other kind of wolf that are more likely to attack people. But who knows? Who knows what it was? In the movie, it turns out it's not yeah. a wolf, but they kill a lot of wolves trying to get at it. They they do. They do. And that, uh, let me interject something real quick. That actually bothered me when I watched it mm-hmm. again. This time I didn't really remember that. And I wondered, because some of the 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 animal uh, tracking down and hunting looked a little too realistic, and I went and looked it up. And the uh, the American Humane Society had uh, some questions about that and contacted the makers of the movie when they released it in the United States. But the uh, as it says, the uh, inquiries came back. They didn't validate or invalidate whether any intentional cruelty occurred to animals during making hmm. the film, so they couldn't find that out. If you make movies here in the United States or with the United States production money or whatnot, it has to be passed by the American Humane Society before mm-hmm. they'll let you work with animals. So Yeah, but those don't know. piles of wolves look pretty realistic, but they, they might have just They did. Pumps. They did. Of course, I mean, they might have been, and this is 2001. They did have CGI. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't as good as it is now, but, you know, who knows? So this movie is also part of a, it was in 2001, and there was a little bit of a trend at the time that everybody knows kung fu. So this uh <laughs> yes. Native American living in France knows kung fu. I know there are Native American forms of martial arts, but this looks like straight up kung fu. And so the people he fights are not as good, but they also seem to know kung fu. And in that same year the musketeer came out also set in France, also Full of French people that know kung fu. I did, I don't. It's just see amazing how that works out. Who the fight choreographer was on this, but I know in that in um in the Musketeer they absolutely hired some uh, Hong Kong wushu choreographer to to do that movie. Yeah, but that's one of the things that that caught my attention when I. Uh... I think I saw a trailer for it before I went to see it, and I was like, what the heck is this movie about? So I had to go see it. Kung Fu Monster Movie. Well, shoot. I'm BD. I don't see... uh, I see stunts, but I don't see stunt coordinator or fight coordinator or anything like that listed. So, I don't know. Anyway, it's somebody that knows Kung Fu that coordinated these fights. Yeah. And Dacostos, the guy that played Manny... Uh, the uh, Indian character is a martial arts expert, so who knows? He may have choreographed his own stuff. Ah, Richard Dale is some French guy, stunt coordinator, which is not necessarily the same as a fight choreographer, but I don't see a fight choreographer listed. 
Anyway, moving on. We're going to dive into the uh, Wikipedia summary of this movie and see where that leads us. During the French Revolution, Marquis Dapshire writes his memoirs in his castle. He recounts to 1764 when a mysterious beast terrorized the providence of uh, Gévaudan. Yeah, we start off with Gévaudan. some poor woman trying to chase down a lamb and then something attacks her. This movie tries to make you think it's a werewolf movie, although they only say the word werewolf once, but they try to make you think there's something weird going Well, there's something weird going on, but not something unnatural. Uh, uh, Gregory de Fronsac, a knight and the royal naturalist of King Louis the 15th of France and his Iroquois companion Manet arrive to capture the beast. And we see them arrive. Some dudes are some guys dressed as women are harassing an old man. And I guess his daughter who may be supposedly his daughter. Yeah. We never actually hear her speak throughout the film. Nobody mentions her being mute, but she has no lines. Uh, But they're harassing these people, beating them up and Fransac and Mani intervene and uh, Mani shows off his quarterstaff fighting skills and smacks these guys around. They claim that these people were stealing from them. They say they hired us to heal their horses and we did and now they won't pay us. So Fransac just takes the money pouch off one of the guys and gives it to him and runs him off. But then we find out that he has been asked to come here to try to capture the beast because he's an expert in these things. And he's also the king's <laughs> taxidermist, which yes, I thought was an interesting naturalist job. and taxidermist. I guess maybe when the king goes hunting, yep. he wants his trophies mounted. Could be. It does factor into the movie later on. Fronsac becomes interested in Marianne de Morganais, the daughter of a local count whose brother Jean-Francois was also an avid hunter and a world traveler whose arm was mangled and rendered useless while overseas. They kind of lead us to believe it's missing. Fransac is also intrigued by Sylvia, an Italian yeah. courtesan at the local brothel. So he's trying to date this society girl, but he's also banging prostitutes on the side, so. which is very French, I guess. It is kind of, but she's, she ends up being more than just mm-hmm. one of the ladies mm-hmm. at the brothel. Is oh, I meant to ask on. you, David. Did you watch the um, subtitles or the dubbed version? I've watched it both ways. When I saw it in the movie theater, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was in French with subtitles. And yeah. then I've watched it that way on video, and I've also watched the dubbed version, which is a pretty decent dub job of, yeah. of the movie. They did a pretty good job. I saw it in the theater when it came out, and now that you mention it, I cannot remember. If it I'm was, not sure either if it was subtitled or not. But I did watch the dubbed right now because I just couldn't be bothered to read. And it yes, it is a very good job. It wasn't distracting because if it had been bad, I would have just switched to the French. Yeah. But uh, it, I really noticed how good the dub job was, both the performances and the matching up with the lips. While investigating another victim, Fransac finds a fang made of steel. Uh, man, they're just jumping over a lot of stuff here. <laughs> There's a whole scene where he's having dinner with all the <laughs> society people and he tries to fool them with a story about a fish that he found in Canada that was covered with fur. And then he presents yeah. the fish that he has mounted in a little box. And one of the guests calls bullshit on it. And he admits, yeah, it's just a fake. 
I have a. Yep. Uh, it's just because he is a taxidermist. Yep. So, uh, although I thought he said something that indicated a friend of his had made it. I don't know. It's not important. Uh, but it's the kind of nonsense that P.T. Barnum would put into his museum. Yeah. Anyway, he while investigating another victim, Fronsack finds a fang made of steel. A traumatized child witness swears that the beast was controlled by what seemed to be a human master. As the investigation proves unfruitful, the king's weapon master, Lord de Botrian, arrives to put an end to the beast, and Fronsack is sent back to Paris. He realizes that the beast is actually an instrument of a secret society, the Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is working to undermine public confidence in the king and ultimately take over the country. Somebody's been distributing these little red books that's yeah. a novel, but it's a novel that's criticizing the king that's got a wolf on the cover. So they don't care so much about actually stopping the wolf from killing people. They just realize it's being used, the authorities realize it's being used as a symbol against the king. So they want him to just stuff and mount a normal wolf that they've found and tell everybody it's the beast so that they can put an end to these this propaganda campaign. Yes. Back in Javodan, the attacks by the real beast continue and Franzak returns to put an end to the beast's killings. At a secret rendezvous with Marianne, they are attacked by the beast where it mysteriously refrains from attacking her. And this, I think, is the first time we get a real good look at the thing. Yeah. And we can kind of tell that... It... Yeah, we're about halfway into the movie, too. Yeah. We can tell that it's some creature that's had stuff put on it. It's been put in a costume. Yeah. Well, I don't... I, yeah. It's, it's very unusual looking, that's for sure. It's got big spikes on it. It's got big iron jaws attacked over, uh, attached over its real jaws. And we get a look at its eye through the mask it's wearing, and that's the first time we get an indication that it's not a wolf. I don't think anybody in the movie ever comes right out and says what it is. No, they don't, but you can sort of tell. It's a big cat. It's yeah, probably a lion. It's a, it's a lion. Well, they use the word cub at one point. But yes, it seems to be a lion. The glimpse of the eye we get and a little bit of fur around the eye, you can kind of tell that's what it is. Fronsac, Manny, and a young Marquis set out into the forest and set up an array of traps to capture the beast. It is severely injured but escapes. Manny sets off alone in pursuit where he finds a catacomb used as the beast's holding pen inhabited by the Brotherhood. Outnumbered, Manny is shot and killed. Fronzak discovers Manny's body and performs an autopsy, finding a silver bullet, Jean-Francois's signature choice of ammunition. He mentioned this earlier, that he likes to sign his kills, which is... Yeah, sign his bullets when he makes them, yeah. Which is stupid. Yeah, he uses silver bullets just as his signature, and then he's going and doing secret society shit and shooting people when everybody knows he uses silver so bullets. That's... Does it make it very secret when you do that? In a fit of rage, a vengeful, a vengeful Fronsack goes to the catacombs and slaughters many members. This is where we find out that he knows Kung Fu. But is overpowered by the local authorities and imprisoned. Sylvia visits him in jail and reveals that she is a spy for the Holy See. She explains that Henri Sardis, the local priest and leader of the Brotherhood, believes that he is restoring worship of God to France. Pope Clement the 13th has decided that Sardis is insane and has sent her to eliminate him. She then poisons Fronsac, saying that he knows too much. 
Meanwhile, Jean-Francois comes to Marianne's room and reveals to her that he is the beast's master. It recognized her scent on her when it came near her. It recognized his scent on her when it came near her, which is why it did not attack. He then rapes her when she rejects his advances. So we get some some incest here, uh, um. which was unpleasant, but also kind of French. He also shows that his arm is not missing or half missing. He's just been keeping it tied up behind him. Why? What is the point of that? I'm not sure. And I've tried to look into this to find more information on what happened with his arm because his injured arm looks very unlike his other arm. I mean, it's a different muscular tone to it. The hand is all different and warped. Well, it's because he's been keeping it... He's been keeping it tied up behind his back all the time. He's not trimming the nails. He's not probably washing it like he should. Yeah, it looks all messed messed up. Yeah, it does. But not so messed up that you have to pretend that it was bitten off by a beast when you were in Africa. It's just weird. It makes no sense to me. The only purpose is that when people catch a glimpse of the guy controlling the beast, they can see that he has two arms. But I don't think he's been doing this for years just to throw suspicion off of himself. It's a little, it's a little unknown. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any damn sense. That was my least favorite part of the movie. Sylvia's agents exhume Franzak, who has not been killed but merely put into a temporary coma, and he appears at one of the Brotherhood's sermons. He kills several members, including Jean Francois who reveals that he has regained use of his supposedly mangled arm. Sardis escapes into the mountains, but is mauled to death by a pack of wolves. Franzak and Marquis go to the beast's lair, where it lies severely wounded. It turns out the beast was a lion that Jean-Francois brought back from Africa as a cub that was tortured into becoming vicious and trained to wear spiked metal armor. Franzak takes pity and kills the beast in an act of mercy. And then the movie just keeps going. It does, but that that part is, uh, I thought it was a little maybe poignant right there, Mm because when Fonsac finds the beast, it is wounded, it's just lying there, and he actually uh, rubs the beast's eyebrow Mm -hmm. and then puts his hand in there where his jaws are, and the beast licks his hand, Yeah. and then he basically shoots it and puts it out of its misery. So the, the real beast isn't the creature, it's actually the people who are controlling the creature. Yes, the real monster is man. Yep, it was. And then there's this weird part with Marianne is dying, and then he... Where did he get this bracelet? He took it off of somebody. Who did he take it off of? Was that Manny's bracelet? Uh, maybe. She's dying, but it's not clear why, other than her brother attacked her. But we didn't see him, you know put a knife in her or anything she's just laying there dying he comes to see her and then he's got this bracelet maybe it was manny's bracelet and we see that earlier that manny knows some you know native remedies he pulls out a little stopper in the bracelet and pours some kind of dust or powder or something on her or down her throat or something and then it's not clear until the later narration that this did save her because the visuals yeah. after that are a little vague and fuzzy. Yeah, but yeah, it shows them at the end of it, you know, they're on the ship together. Yeah. So must have done something good. Yeah. The Marquis finishes writing his account just before he is led to his execution by a revolutionary mob. 
He states that he doesn't know what happened to Fransac and Marianne after the death of the beast, but he hopes that somewhere they are happy together. <laughs> Excuse me. A final scene shows Fransac and Marianne sailing on a ship named Frere Loop, Brother Wolf. It's stated earlier in the film that he wants to go to Africa to study the animals there, so we can assume that's where they're headed. So. Seems like it. And then <laughs> close credits. Yeah. Um, there is a, it wasn't mentioned in the summary there, but there's a scene earlier on when near the beginning when the hunt is being put together, getting everybody in the area who can hunt to go look for the beast and a fight breaks out. The mute girl looks like she's being attacked by a couple of guys, but then it seems like, no, she's just goofing around with them. Yeah. Or egging them on is a little, yeah. A fight ensues. Yes, this leads to Manny getting in a fight with these two guys. Kicks their asses. Then two girls step forward, two women step forward, and who I guess are part of the same little group. All of them, I think, turn out later to be in the Brotherhood of the Wolf. And yes, uh, yes. They, they start fighting him, and he kicks their butts. And the fight doesn't end until, what's his name? Jean-Francois shoots one of the guys. But then it turns out, Later, that Jean-Francois is... Well, he doesn't kill the guy, though. I think he just shoots him in the shoulder or the arm. But he seems to be part of the same group that all these people are in. And I don't think... I think they're just in it just to be in it. They don't seem to care about restoring the worship of God to France and counteracting this age of reason that's going on. I think they just enjoy yeah, you're Yeah, you're talking about the groups of hooligans that are in there? Yeah, the, a bunch of the guys that are in the Brotherhood of the Wolf just seem to be in it for the fun of being in a secret society, not because they care yeah. about the society's goals. Yeah. So uh, there was an, uh, There's, a, there's a, a movie review site called, uh, I think it's called JoeBlow.com, mm -hmm. and it they, they do reviews of... Uh, they call them one of the best movies you've never heard of. Uh -huh. And uh, Brotherhood of the Wolf is one of the reviews that they did. So I, I watched that and found that interesting. Mm -hmm. So what rating are you going to give Brotherhood of the Wolf? How many pumpkins out of five? Out of five? Going to have to give it four and a half at least. Maybe one of the pumpkins being a pumpkin pie. I'm not sure. But it was, I liked it. I like it. It's, it's one of my uh, one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll probably give it a four too. I, I I did like it. Uh, I do think that everybody knows kung fu is sort of nonsense, but they do it well. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed it. Roger Ebert, when he reviewed this movie back in the day, said it was a hodgepodge of all sorts of movie genres slapped together. And if you ignore uh, kind of the absurdity of that, the film is very enjoyable. Well, I don't mind a mashup at all. I, uh, you know, I. I can appreciate a good uh, genre smashing movie. I think it uh, succeeds, but yeah, it's not quite a werewolf movie. Although there are a number of werewolf movies that it turns out it's not a real werewolf. So it's not alone in that regard. No. But I think it does fall in the general, or at least one of the genres it is, is horror. Because the, you know, the various people that get chased through the woods by the beast is very much filmed as if it's a horror movie 
Yeah, so. very true. And uh, inter interesting uh, fact about the beast in the movie, it was actually created by the Jim Henson Creature Shop, who does yeah. the Muppets. Okay. And this is one of the one of their first forays into doing stuff for for other people's movies. Usually, Henson Group ma makes their own movies, but they made the creature for this one. And I think the only place that it's streaming right now is on Shutter. So somebody thinks it's a horror movie if it's on Shutter. Oh yeah. I think you can buy it from a couple. Yeah, you can buy it on Vudu and all those places, but it's not just yeah streaming. I have a physical copy because I'm like that, so that's where I watched it. And they released it not too awful long ago on Blu-ray, so okay. they got a re-release. Well, David's old interviews that he worked on can be found on Amazon under The Sound of Wonder, Interviews from the Science Fiction Radio Show, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Those are available on Kindle, and if you have Kindle Unlimited, they're included with that. So if you're a fan of yeah. science fiction, I recommend checking those out. Is there anything else you want to add, David, before we go? Yeah, we compiled uh, some of the, took some of the interviews that we did from the radio show, of which there were quite a few, and they're quite long, and, and we took the uh, raw interview and made it into a two-volume set, and those uh, audio tapes are now uh, at Texas A&M, and College Station, and as I understand it, they are currently in the process of digitizing them. They've added them to their collection, their science fiction collection there. Well, maybe they'll make those available online at some point if they're digitizing them. Time will tell, I guess. Uh, anything else about the movie? Uh, no, no, that was that was pretty good. That's uh, one of my that's my favorite subtitled <laughs> movie. Favorite, yeah, my favorite fa French movie. Favorite French kung fu movie. Yep, it is. All right, folks, that will do it for us for today, then. Be back here again tomorrow for another in our 31 Days of Horror. And, of course, join us at the end of it all for Halloween Ends, which is out now on Peacock and in theaters. Seems to be causing all kinds of controversy on the interwebs. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Be here on the 31st to find out what we thought about it. Thank you for joining us. Go find us on all our socials at mmftg.link.bio. Remember to keep calm and seek shelter in basements. Whatever you do, do not misuse science. I will not see you, but you will hear me next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg. Oh,